Welcome to the first ever All Damn Night 4th of July special. This is the place to be on the way to your barbecue, your fireworks show, or your overthrow of a communist dictatorship. And we are damn proud to be here for my favorite holiday and the birth of my favorite country, the United States of America. I'm Brandon Richardson here with our resident expert, Sean, how pumped are you? I'm fucking pumped. Woo! So Sean... Let's not keep the people from their beers, barbecues, and bullets. Let's get into it. Coming at you from the greatest damn country in history. It's the greatest damn podcast in music history. It's all damn night. So, Sean. I'm ready. On April 19th, 1775, about 700 hoity-toity, smart-ass redcoats stomped into the towns of Lexington, Concord, Lincoln, Monotomy, which is present-day Arlington, and Cambridge, Massachusetts. right where I grew up. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say you're a Massachusetts guy, right? So they were there to disarm the citizens because their king of England had declared that Massachusetts was a state in rebellion and authorized the use of military force in disarming and subduing the citizens. Except there's only two things that Americans aren't good at. Being disarmed and being subdued. Wow! Oh, wow. I see what you're getting at here. So, okay. long story short, the local, the local militias told the king to go pack sand and drove his boys off in a hurry. Pack sand? Pack sand. Go pack sand. Kick some rocks. King George. (laughs) Soon the whole of the 13 colonies were declared states in full rebellion by the very fat and very angry king of England. George? Yes. Okay. George III. All right. Uh, The Revolutionary War had begun. On July 4th, 1776, the Constitutional Convention approved the final draft of the Constitution. It was finally signed. Now, this is what I didn't realize before some history major I am. Okay, it was... Don't sell yourself it short. Was a, Come on now. Well, it was approved. It was, it was written by June of 1776. It was approved by everybody on the 4th of July. It wasn't signed by everyone until September, and England didn't find out about it until November 1776. So, yes, it took a while, but they got the point. So, how did all of this start? A quick overview on how we got to this point. So, in 1764, Britain began to levy new taxes on its citizens in the American colonies, which pisses everyone off. Right. Honestly, though... How dare they put taxes on the colonies, what, 5,000 miles away? uh, I don't know, 3,000 miles. 3,000 miles? But one point to be made, though, is they were reasonably legitimate uh, in in the empire's bid to fund their ever expanding and very expensive empire. Like they they needed money and the colonists were using um, resources of the empire, so they, from their point of view, thought it was fair that the taxes um, were levied on them. But the citizens here said, "Yeah, you're three thousand miles away, and I'm barely squeaking by. Why should I be chipping in more money for this big fat king to go on more wars?" Yeah, you know? at this point, wasn't uh, the British Empire spread pretty thin as well, right? Yeah, yeah, very. Um, and they would get spread thinner um, throughout the 19th century, but they were definitely like the, they were starting to moan under the weight 
of their of their own empire because the saying was that the sun never set on oh, the well, british that, empire yeah that's true if you look at the old maps yeah that's right damn sure so they um they they, they but that's a lot to maintain yeah right? so that's yeah. that's a very that's a very costly thing to do so yes they they ended up having to um to levy some taxes it started with the stamp act it was a tax on all paper documents so it had to have this approved stamp saying it was taxed right There's the townsend act it was a tax on glass and lead uh, a tax on beads, paints, paper, and other goods. And then there was a sugar tax, which was a tax on cigarettes. No, it was just a tax on sugar. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they made glass with lead at the time. Right. Yeah, I think so a that lot makes of, a lot of sense. Too, a lot of yeah. the um, a lot of this stuff that the Townsend Act was taxing seemed all kind of interrelated. Little uh, Alden might factoid for you. Um Back in like the revolutionary times when America was just coming up in, you know, New England from the late 1700s, early 1800s, you see all these buildings or historic sites with the original glass panes in. Right. Uh, all the glass is thicker at the bottom of the pane. Right. And it, it is slows the, down. Right? It, it yeah. is an amorphous solid, right. actually. It right. is not a, 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 a solid like a steel or a concrete or something. Right. It's actually very slowly flowing. Over the centuries, over it becomes like a wedge. 200 right? years, yeah. It becomes way thicker at the bottom than it is at the top. Just a little uh, something cool. Stupid British didn't know how to design Stupid windows. Stupid lead. Dummies. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> unless, except for our British listeners, we forgive you. This is long past. We're just having a good this time. This is our day. This is give, our day. This is our day. day. If you wanted this day, you should have come and took it. But <laughs> yeah. guess what? You didn't. You didn't. So this <laughs> is our day and our podcast. <laughs> Woo! Uh, so being hit from far away with federal taxes uh, by the king while struggling to make a living did not sit well with the colonists, and soon the cry on many lips was that of no taxation without representation. I mean, it makes sense. It does, yeah. I think you can see their, their point of view, absolutely. You know, there was nobody from Britain that got along with the colonists in the new colonies. Oh, no, there was plenty, and then there was loyalists, too. Okay. So there was, like, you had a... That was the big division, was when they decide... When all this is going down, um, it's you had this big division between people that were in favor of the rebellion... And then people that were loyalists that were saying, like, why the hell would we want to separate? Oh, so they were from the still crown. fans of the crown. Okay. All Absolutely. Right, all right. Many, many people here. Thousands and thousands of native born loyalists, people that had never even been to England. Thousands and thousands. I think it was in the seven to eight thousands that I was looking up for the statistics. American native born loyalists. So people okay. um, who of English or Scotch Irish and English mostly at this point, um, ancestry that had lived here their entire lives, were born here, but okay. were loyal to the king and preferred that loyalty over huh. rebelling. There are many people, uh, seven to 8,000 of them died in the revolution. What happened fighting to those for guys? The crown. So they, they fought with the Redcoats? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. And uh, post, that was another, like, a lot, a lot of them returned to England after the war because it was just so divisive. Right. Uh, many stayed, but yeah, it was, like, not looked upon favorably post-war if you were a loyalist <laughs> you can't blame those people in a lot of respects for wanting to throw their lot in and with yeah, the, with I mean, the with the seems, heavy favorite it seems like a, a very safe bet yes to yeah. go with the british empire right but uh they i guess they weren't factoring in things like uh the french Trans-ams. yeah they hadn't seen cable tv they like they have in america considered nowadays considered burt reynolds wi-fi yeah. smoking the bandit right. <laughs> 
<laughs> would have been a real easy choice. Um, so yeah, it became more and more divisive in 1770. The Boston 1770, the Boston Massacre occurred, in which British yes, troops uh, very unfortunate. Absolutely, yeah. British yeah. troops caught in a mob of angry citizens fired upon them in self defense. Just the whole crowd was the just whole crowd. slaughtered. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So, okay, two interesting things here. Um, well, they were they said and the paintings depicted that they these these redcoats had fired on the entire crowd but they were being attacked and they did fire in self-defense and they were brought in front they were arrested they were brought to trial and of course the initial impulse for many was to just hang them you know? right all right but they were given a trial and with the help of john adams himself oh wow who was their lawyer okay. because he said like he's not on their side but he's saying by the rule of law, and this is a country so of law. So he was so, he was so, uh, he was in deep with the whole new American idea yeah. that he stood up for the British because of the American values. Yes. That is amazing. Yes. He should have been president. He got, <laughs> he, he got a, he, he got them off the chart. He argued for right. them. And yeah, absolutely. That, he's a cool guy. Yeah. Right there. That was not in the safe. That was not a safe position no, to take. Definitely either, not. Know? But damn, that guy knew what he believed in. Absolutely. Holy shit. Yeah. Talk about yeah. principles. Eagle soaring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, however, more unrest followed. Uh, 1773 Boston Tea Party. Where they all dressed up as Native Americans. This is a, a very touchy subject for New England. New England. Yeah, hit us with your take um, on this. It wasn't tea. Okay, hit it, us, go it on. was. It was tobacco and and guns and all this shit. Right. So it was yeah, a bunch, it was sugar. A bunch of, right, a bunch of right, sugar. Right, right. Yeah, molasses actually. Right. Yeah. Yes, and, but all but all stuff that was very valuable. Yeah. And, yeah. And in the prince and they but they were all dressed up as Native Americans to make it look like right, the right, Native right. American city. There was this whole Mission Impossible thing going right, on that right. we couldn't even describe to you if we if we were even if we were there. But uh, I yeah. think like at the time it was Mission Impossible, but like now yeah. it would just be like, well, we're going to paint our faces red and then put like a feather in our hair. You know, it's kind of like the uh, reference to the new James Bond movies with Daniel Craig. Like they got rid of all the crazy gadgets from uh, what, what's <laughs> right. the guy? Mrs. Doubtfire guy. Uh, Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan. They got rid of all the crazy gadgets. There's no exploding pens or anything. There's just guns and got radio. Got a little campy. Yeah. 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 So now they all they got to do is dress up like Native Americans and... Uh, Throw a whole bunch of shit off a ship. I mean, at the time, I'm sure it was genius, though. <laughs> yeah. They were like, anybody have any better ideas? Yeah. Like, no, no. Uh, so by that really pissed off King George. And by 1774, in June 1774, he had shut down the entire Boston Harbor and soon after declared Massachusetts and then the rest of the colonies as states under full rebellion. And that, that authorizes the use of military force against them to subdue them. Can you say that again? So basically, he's saying... You, he's formally declaring, saying, these colonies are rebelling against me. King George's. Yes. Okay. And that means that's telling the military, go fucking put these guys in check. All right. So we just recently saw Sicario, wow. Day of the Soledad. Great. Uh, it reminds me of what the Secretary of Defense said in, uh, in the movie. No spoilers. But what he had said was, uh, your bombs don't scare us. They empower us. Mm-hmm. So this is this is what King George was saying is your acts are empowering me to come over here and show you what's up. Right. Okay. Right. All right. All right. And he's saying, yeah, exactly. And he's saying, if you 
if that's what you want, then that's what right, we'll that's do. What, and what and it very get. much okay. is just the right. the rocky story of just like, well, they they these guys had no business winning this war and uh, even starting this war, and they figured that it, the, the king figured it was going to be pretty quick work. But uh, on April 1775, the war started at the Battle of Lexington and Concord, Battles yeah, yeah. of Lexington and Concord, yeah. and it ran until... What did they say at Bunker Hill? Um, don't fire until you see the white to their eyes. Right. Oh, Another man. thing, because they were conserving ammunition, right. they, 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 they didn't have any the money. The Americans, um, quote unquote Americans yeah, at the, the time, proto uh, right, yeah. had, had nothing. They literally were cut off. Yeah, they were a, largely a guerrilla army. Yeah. And it was, and what All, people most of their supplies were coming from England. And well, we'll look at this here. What this shows how they wanted actually the length of the war: eight years, four months, fifteen days. The war wow. raged on, and the old adage that how some, long was the Civil War? Uh, four years, about. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. And in that, yeah. in that, yeah, in that, in that four years, that was that's. The deadliest in in human in, in American history. Well, we um, talk about World War One and two being just a, a, a sucking force of resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, can, I don't think any of this stuff at the the Revolutionary War was even documented. It seems like anybody that could fight was there. Yeah, uh, actually, that's <clears throat> what we're going to talk about because what happened was yes you have a limited uh pool of people to choose right. from so everyone lies as well yeah. everyone does have to put in their work so that means entire families um putting in harvest to help feed the, the troops right that means right. Um, there's a whole logistics game going on b- behind the general this, rule of thumb yeah. is 10 to 1 for every soldier on the front lines there's 10 support person wow wow it's the general and that's warfare that's rule. modern or is that just that is modern but that's okay. what i've seen like going back to to i mean that's and that's you know but even let's say let's cut that in half and say it's five it's right. still a crazy right. number um, so, but during this time period, the common soldier and the commander um, shared a, a common burden of risk in rebelling against the, the most powerful empire in the world. What is that risk? Well, Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin summed it up himself. He said the, he said it best. This is this is the best way for me to uh, encapsulate it. So, before signing the Declaration of Independence, he declared in several letters. Now, gentlemen. We must hang together, or we will most assuredly hang separately. There you go, right? Which right. is absolutely true. They were it's all almost like a all for one or one for all. Three musketeers. Let's go, and you know we're gonna die anyways. We well, might as well go together. Yeah, because they're guilty yeah. of treason at this right. point. Absolutely, and treason yeah. is punishable by yeah. death, and like doesn't mean if you're that means if you're a foot soldier or you're a general, like you're under the same Damocles. Um, are are people nowadays realizing? You know, brilliant as he was. And amazing, he was a great guy, but I don't think uh, many people realize that he was uh, batshit crazy, maybe. Gen- Benjamin Franklin, yeah, eccentric, but not batshit. Okay, crazy. all right, all right. Exc- no, What's the difference genius. between insanity and eccentric? Is it just money? No, genius. Like if he was alive right. today, okay. that guy would have. He invented the library, the fire department, right? The Dewey Decimal System. Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he he was a eccentric guy, but and he was. But he Without would, he him, would, you know, like stand in his balcony, butt naked, and no, you it's know. eccentricity though, because okay. a crazy person is a Howard Hughes. A crazy person, not even, because a crazy person can't be a diplomat, and and his entire service to the country during the war 
was of a diplomat. He spent most of the war in France. Okay. Because he was wooing King oh, wow. Louis so the Fourteenth. So that's why they helped us. Yes. Okay. All so right. that was his doing. Like he was over there and his whole time people would say like, this guy's not doing anything. He's like playing chess and smoozing with people. But that was his gift. That's and, what like, people say about Denzel Washington too. But this guy is playing chess, not checkers, right? He's yeah. He would be more akin to, yeah, I don't know who to compare him to today because he's just like such a renaissance man. But without his, without his diplomacy, like the notion... That's this war was eight years long. The United States didn't win it on its own. Like we had to have right, the assistance right, right. of these other countries, namely France, um, and that was ensured by Benjamin Franklin's right. diplomatic work. I didn't over realize there. that. That's that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so, like he, you know, he wasn't a crazy person. He was just a. An I think that's what guy. I meant. Yeah, yeah he, he was just an oddball. Guy. Yeah, but. definitely a free thinker. Okay. All right. But the uh, music does play into this story eventually. Get out of town. I tell you. What are we doing here? The risks were real, the odds were stacked, and the road was long. Most Americans know this about the Revolutionary War. But an army does not run on beans and bullets alone. So where does the music fit into all of this? Well, music served two purposes in this war and any other during the time period. First, it was a means of communication. Right. The right, military right, ran right, to the right. beat of the drums and the tones of the fife and the bugle. Yeah. In battle, musicians comprised, and this is what we're talking about, um, everyone having a role. So if you were a male who wasn't of fighting age or you were too old to fight, so males generally under the age of 16 and over the age of 50 would be part of the musician corps. So if, if, if the infantry needed to advance at Company B, mm-hmm. they would play a certain beat on the drum. Yes. Yeah, all right. Yeah. And then wouldn't it be the first guy you shot if you were the opposite side? So they would lose... They were targeting officers, and I'll tell you oh, why. Oh, okay. Because the, uh, you can, they, if you're targeting... It, it depends. Like, they... We were targeting officers <laughs> because that was our quickest way to uh cut out but war right. was a still viewed as a chivalrous uh right. pursuit so at this time weird. so yeah. no you're not going to shoot the drummer boy you're shooting into the ranks against other okay. shoulders and in general they would not like the british way of doing things was to not shoot the officer right, like, right. it was supposed to be a you know i am itching to bring up a mel gibson reference here and talk about the patriot it's tough not to it's when you get into this to, yeah right? it definitely yeah. is and like people want to rip that movie but tell me you watch that movie and don't get fired up i get fired up yeah. that's what i'm saying is you know mel gibson was shooting at the officers that was his whole yeah deal. that was it. right yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah. yeah um so the 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 military ran to the beat of the tones of the fife of the bugle. I covered that. Uh, in the in the battle, <laughs> the musicians comprised of males under sixteen and over fifty. They played songs whose tunes denoted which movement uh, for the troops to take next. Without radios and satellites, this big loud blare of the bugle and the big loud beat of the drum was the fastest way to relay messages over a big large battlefield space. Uh, the tradition actually started back in uh, Switzerland centuries earlier, and by this time. It was standard practice in all Western warfare. So the fife and drum, they were the military instruments for the infantry because it can be played, you know, like on feet. Right. Uh, it's loud. It carries a long way. And then the bugle was for the cavalry because it can be played with one hand while the rider controls the range with the, the other. Yeah. Exactly. Right. right. So if you, and that's like, I never put that together until I read that because I was like, yeah, all the cavalry movies are all okay. the cavalry charges. You don't hear, you never thought about that. You don't hear drums. The bugle doesn't have any keys either. No, I know. Or a sousaphone. 
though that Mad Max movie, that guy has like a big Marshall stack behind him. It's great. And he's also got flames coming oh, out of his left paw. What if we had that so, guy? You know, I sure. think that's kind of what they're doing. Is they're amping people up though? If that guy existed, I would have said. What do you mean he doesn't France. exist? No, I'm saying in 1776. Oh, okay. All I would right. say All Benny right. Franklin. We need you to go talk to this guy. Right. This right. is the guy right. that we need. Right. Well, I think we would need Max as well. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, there were songs. For... He, he did, after all, he stole the fuel truck. So yeah, he, you you do want the guy who's yeah. like capable, not yeah. just the guy that's gonna like slam heavy riffs on the Marshall. But you need a boat. But where does Tina Turner come into all this? She does not. Oh. Uh, there were songs Very for sad. retreat. There were songs <laughs> for advance. There were songs for ceasefire. There were songs for parlay. But music was could you not... really hear the music over the the bullets? You had tons of these guys. So every every okay. rank had their own drummer, and and they what they would do. So one officer would give the command. So it wasn't just a free for all shoot fest. No, so okay. no, not at all. This is exactly like the the game Risk. Okay, so yeah. these are right. these are blocks of action troops. or reaction. Yeah, stacked four deep, thing. three okay. deep, and what they would do was one rank would fire, the first rank would fire, the second rank would advance. So you just have this big. That's so stupid. Kind of advancing. Man. Well, what they're doing is massing fire because they don't have rifled barrels they have muskets oh yeah so what yeah. you're doing is right. creating a human shotgun okay because yeah. you don't have the ability to accurately take one person at a time so you just have to keep massing fire except for the kentucky long rifles when right. those came into play but those are incredibly expensive yeah. and pretty rare and you right. couldn't supply right, that right. for the entire armies and so up until they were basically <laughs> filling pipes with nails. I mean, kind yeah. of. Yeah, 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 kind of. That's kind of a, a musket is just a smooth bore that is just has this exploding projectile coming out of it. And it's the only exactly way... like the old movies. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, and it's pretty much that. Yeah, if you're more than fifty feet away, you're probably not hitting it. Yeah, it's just kind of fly yeah. out. So the only way you to don't, do it, you don't hunt with a musket. The only way to do that is to oh, oh that's why get the guy fifty muskets in a in a bunch, right? Or that's why the militia was so good is because they had to, to hunt to survive so they could hit a, a mark. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. They had a okay. lot to do with it. Um, there, but there were also songs for their entire day. So there were songs for waking up, songs for bedtime, songs for meals, songs for different chores. Did they do the Pledge formation. of Allegiance? They didn't have that yet. <laughs> I think the Pledge of Allegiance, they had to wait. We had to wait till like the 30s to get that thing. Oh, wow. I wish we had that. I would have been so fired up to wake up every morning. Man, that's what I'm Pledge saying. Um, and secondly, and perhaps more importantly to the rank and file, music was a means of entertainment. Now the first public don't believe it. The first public concert on record in the colonies was called. This was presented. It was billed as the concert music of sundry instruments. Oh wow! And it was held in the quote unquote big room <laughs> in Mister Pelham's place. So at at the big house, <laughs> I can just imagine like Mister Pelham. I picture Mister Pelham as like a I, I imagine dealer. it was Cal- Calvin Candy from D- Django with like yeah. aviator shades <laughs> yeah. and like a big dookie chain. Just a ridiculous personality. You here for the show? Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes, I am. I'm here for the uh, sundry music. Yes. Come on back. Okay. He's got like a you little got the bit secret, of coke in his Secret handshakes and all this. I imagine. Vinny send you. Yes. yes. Yes, he did. Sure, he did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but of course, fifty <laughs> years later, uh, this that was in 1731. Fifty years later, tastes had changed. The young people didn't like that old shit anymore. Weak sauce, they said. So, mm. what were song? What songs were popular at the time? Well, 
they basically all read like they could be like playlists played from uh, Trans Am. Yeah. Like 80s playlist. Check these songs out. Song called Chester. Okay. Song called Stony Point. Awesome. Song called Free America! Exclamation point. There we go. All right. And then, of course, the real subject of tonight's podcast, Yankee Doodle Dandy. All right. Now we're getting somewhere. So if there's one song that conjures up images of the colonists fighting the Redcoats, it's this one. But what does it mean? Stuck a feather in his hat. He called it macaroni. Something about tasty pudding. What the hell is a Yankee Doodle? Right. What is that? Hmm. What's a Yankee? Well... From constitutionfacts.com, <laughs> they will tell us, a British army surgeon named Richard Shuckberg, nice name, Dick Shuckberg, <laughs> <laughs> he first penned the verses during the French and Indian War to make fun of colonial soldiers. He used the traditional British tune, which had been attached to many other lyrics, but in modern times, Yankee Doodle has become the most famous rendition. So now, it's kind of like the happy birthday song where it's the same as Twinkle Twinkle or totally, whatever. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So it's the same melody from way back in the day. Way, way back. But it's just new new lyrics. Yes, sir. Okay. That's All it. Right. So a Yankee was a derogative term used to describe the colonists with whom those in England and those loyal to the crown found to be, in many cases, laughable hillbillies who had deserted society and decided to live on the fringes. So is it only hillbillies from the north, though? No, what they're viewing them as, like, as these people who weren't um, civilized enough to participate in society and so had to move out to the fringes. Oh, wow. Because, I mean, this is in seven, in the 1700s. This so is, a redneck. It's, yes, it's, this is not too far from, like, the people that move to Alaska nowadays. It's right. like that, where you're just like, holy shit, are you Alcoholics? nuts? You're just going to, not that far off. <laughs> That's what kind of what they're saying. Okay. They're saying you guys are a bunch of drunk bumpkins. All so right. British General James Wolfe made the earliest recorded use of the word Yankee in 1758 to rec- to refer to people from what no, became, as, became known as the United States. Alaskan listeners. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like it's a long ways away. Right. It's a remote land, right. and it's some something that most people think you've got to be a pretty hardy person to yeah. survive out there. Yeah. And you gotta eat a lot of seal. The people from, and you would see, right? And people from New York City, let's say, right. would think that they wouldn't be able to, it's it's a foreign concept to many in New York City why someone would want to live in Alaska. Well, there are a bunch of fancy pants over there in there, New York City. That brings us to our next word. Uh, well, they're a bunch of Yankees, really. So, well, nothing against our New York listeners. <laughs> but he, uh, James Wolfe, told a, uh, a bunch of New England soldiers under his command James that, Wolf is a cool name, though. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. He said that I can afford two companies of Yankees, and the more of them, the better, because they're better for ranging and scouting than the other worker vigilance, meaning like... So, like, the militia is better at shooting because yeah. they have to... They won't live without and, eating and, and like, hunting. going out into the woods and doing right, reconnaissance right. and stuff. They're oh, better that makes at that. a whole bunch of sense. So, a doodle is a precursor to the derivative of the term dude. 
meant to describe an uptown fancy boy who wore fashionable clothes and whose main concern was being a man about town. I like thought a, a dude was a cowboy. No, a dude is, that's exactly, a dude ranch is like city slickers, where a dude is someone you bring in from the city. That's what they're saying. Oh. A dude ranch. It's a fantasy camp, a cowboy oh, fantasy camp. man. So they bring in these dudes. That. Yeah, my grandpa used to call them dudes. Like Holy you, shit. Yeah, it, it, it was a derogative term. Like That was oh, like the meanest man. thing they could call you because it means you're just this know nothing uh are you not, serious yeah dude ranches when you bring in a bunch of city kids and you like let them play cowboy for a couple of weeks so and like billy on. crystal and all this that's a dude ranch he's a dude yeah that's billy the, crystal's a dude he's a dude ranch oh, that's what city is the dude ranch that cattle that fake cattle drive oh wow yeah. so my mind doodle, is blown man. a doodle was like the precursor to that so like a redneck no no redneck no they're, redneck they are city boys like city boys hipsters, hipsters yeah. that want to play cowboy exactly and that's a yankee doodle but they're saying this they're saying that the yankee doodle is a is there they're flipping it on them and saying that oh you're a redneck that's trying to be fancy Oh, that seems like a worse insult. So a dandy, so we're going down the list here. A dandy <laughs> was basically the same thing. Just, a, just another like tagging that on there. A sophisticant, a bon vivant, a hipster. To the British at the time, the middle image conjured up um, was something like that of Larry the Cable Guy in Tuxedo, a, tongue, a country bumpkin trying to dress up <laughs> and really thinking he's something special in like those Prilosec commercials. All right, yeah. Hey, give the guys some credit. You know? Oh no, yeah. not ripping. We, right. We're not ripping Larry the Cable Guy. We're right. saying that's how they they right. thought that was funny. We don't think that's funny here. We think that's <laughs> Larry the Cable Guy providing us with valuable heartburn relief. You know, him and Shaq, they have got it figured out. That's all you, I gotta say. That's a hell of a take. That's very true. So the feather in Yankee Doodle's cap denotes this air of trailer trash aristocracy, and he's why. He, it's saying like he's putting a feather in his shitty hat and oh, thinking it makes him all fancy. Okay. And then he calls the feather macaroni because it's a reference to how all these fancy boys would go out on these, um, just like today, like they go out on these European excursions for a couple months, right. right? Or like a yoga retreat. Yeah, but instead they would travel all through Italy. In this case, that was very popular, and they a lot of the English guys came back with this new pasta called macaroni. Thomas huh. Jefferson even invented a machine to make macaroni. Did he really? So it was a considered like a dish of the aristocracy. Get out of like town. Like something of the elite. So, so calling like, it so like die cut pasta. Well, I guess it makes sense. But die cut pasta back then was a, a fancy boy thing. At least in England, at okay. least in, in British society. All I'm not right. saying that for Italians, but it was considered like a trendy thing to be eaten. And they would even call these guys macaronis. That makes so much sense because it's all the fucking same thing. It's just egg and flour and water. Right. So why would you need to make it into weird spirals and shit? Just to have a good time. Because you're a fancy pants dude. Because I'm a fancy boy. <laughs> I need my fancy noodles. Uh, yeah, so it's just basically saying that he's like a, he's a hipster. They call him macaroni. But because we're so fucking awesome, soon the Yanks began to take pride in this image. And by the war's end, we had flipped it and reversed it, baby. There you go. Hashtag All own right. it. However. What's a hashtag? Don't worry about it. That's the pound symbol. Thing. However, we certainly love having a good time on this holiday, and uh, it's 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 always a blast to come hang out and do these episodes. But it's important to remember 
what was risked and what was sacrificed. So All right, everything was risked. It's 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 quite the the uh, staggering thing to think about. We know the names on the declaration. We know the Washington, we know Jefferson, we know Patrick Henry, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, Herbie Hancock. Yes. However, while all these men gave much more gave much, many more gave all. By war's end, between 37,000 and 82,500 colonists had paid the ultimate price. Now, that's an entire, um, that's including the French troops, Spanish troops, some Dutch troops, um, but that is largely the. That's uh, a huge number. Yeah. Isn't that more than the people that were residing here in the colonies? No, no, no. We had a couple million. At this point, how long were we here? Um, over a hundred years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. For quite a while. Um, however, uh, throughout the hardships, there were people just like you and I, and while the songs may have been different, the effect was the same. Many a lonely night was spent listening to ballads that made the fear and homesickness both worse and better at the same time. Many a nervous moaning spent cleaning and unloading weapons pre-battle was done to a lively pre-battle tune. And many a colonist found inspiration and, yes, a little flash of humor in the now seminal song in our nation's history, Yankee Doodle Dandy. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. And that's the end of this episode. We want to thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, Be sure and check us out online, alldamnnight.com, at uh, twitter.com slash alldamnnight. You can hit us up, email at uh, Sean. S-E-A-N. S-E-A-N at alldamnight.com. Brandon at alldamnight.com. Instagram, we're at alldamnightpodcast. Also, I keep forgetting to mention this, but I have my own brand, band, Brandon Richardson and the Common Criminals. We play every Tuesday right now. What would you say, Outlaw Country? Yeah. yeah, All right. So come check us out, 9 to 11 on Tuesdays at Craftsman Bar in in, uh, Austin, Texas in the ATX. If you are in town, we'd love to see you. So come on out for that. And uh, we will catch you next time. Have a great, happy, safe 4th of July. And uh, we thank you for tuning in to the greatest podcast in history. Well, the greatest music podcast. No, the greatest podcast in history. All damn night. <laughs>